3: Tim hey. Tebow is rich, though. I did Yeah, it. but
1: that Maurice Corrett
0: money's nothing to shake a stick no, at. Yeah, Come no, on. no, no, not really. Have you gotten a cryogenic? Have you guys ever done those? I've never no. done it. I've... I did it in Sacramento. Really? Yeah. My, the, me, you were hungover. Me, no, me <laughs> and Mary Schmidt Boyer when she was in the plane Dealer and Allie Clifton when she was a sideline reporter for the Cavs. We went to, like, one of the first ones in Sacramento. I walked in there. The three of us walked in there. They were playing Ice Ice Baby while we oh, were yeah. in there. <laughs> That's great. And I, it's like I blacked out. I couldn't see color. It was the coldest I've ever been. In you my did life. really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm joking. It. I'm, was it? Was it you? Minute to? and a half, I think, or minute, or I, I don't remember now. I just remember that was right around the time when Manny Harris. Like, there's signs everywhere, don't wear anything wet into here. Yeah, and yeah. Manny Harris wore wet socks into one. You'll stick. And had, like, frostbite. Like, oh, yeah. ended his career. Not that he would have had a great career anyway. Wow. Ended his career over that. Wow. 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 It's no
4: joke. you got to yeah. pay attention well, to Well, I shouldn't signs. say it in his
0: career. He did come back, but he was laid up for a long time yeah.
4: with that. That's like, you know, don't lick the frozen pole. Pole, outside. yeah. Got to learn lot. the hard way,
1: yeah. right? Yeah. Like we
3: all did. Simple what you got, science. What you got, Anthony?
2: Yeah, guys, so before we get into Drivers Landry's return to Cleveland, it's Christmas this weekend too. That's true. It's gonna be really cold. And you know what's good in the cold? Hmm. Some Christmas bourbon from Cleveland Whiskey. Ooh, is a it nice available now? Crisp. Visit your local liquor store to take mm. some home today. Whiskey without mm. limits, please drink responsibly. I got it here.
3: Here it is.
1: See? Jason's supporting <laughs> the under, supporting uh, the sponsors. Uh, under what
3: circumstances would you be drinking by yourself? Uh I guess weeknights. <laughs> <laughs> is that what well, you're asking? most at- Friday nights? <coughs> no, Friday, like, like, nights, like, 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 right. like. So, Sunday say morning. for yes. instance, like, like, I, this is always fascinating to me. Like, what, what? Sometimes there'll be dudes, and they just be randomly at their house, mm-hmm. just d- drinking. Like, so, yeah, yeah, I'm drink just whiskey. What would the occasion be where it just sparks you? Like, boom, right? Let me just go in here and take three shots. Yeah, and if and if you do drink, it. Kids will make it okay. Mm-hmm. As Mike said, weeknights.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Celebrating
1: life, you know? Got to uh, cherish every sunset. That's what I said. Man, I just, and know. it's better with a clean With a little shot, of Cleveland, shot of Cleveland, whiskey. Cleveland whiskey. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. True.
4: Okay, um, are we going right to Aditi? Is she on? Uh, not or quite she, she yet. She just comes up at 10 ahead. after. Uh, Landry right now. Yeah, let's talk about Jarvis Landry. I thought it was interesting some of the comments that uh, Nick Chubb and David Njoku had to say yesterday about, about Jarvis Landry uh they miss him clearly they miss yeah. him I think I think Chubb's quote was it would be amazing if he were still here I thought at the time when they let him get away and I know that bringing him back at what he was scheduled to make was not a good play right but sometimes this there's there's a deal that teams make that you're not paying for the production you're paying for mm. what he brings to the club mm-hmm. and I, I just thought that what Jarvis Landry, the impact that he had on this team and what he meant to this team and especially what he ended up going to New Orleans for. What did he go for? Was eight it 8 million? Was, I think it was like was I six? think he was asking for 16. Okay. The, I think maybe the Browns had offered 10 and I think he ended up going to the Saints for 8. Those numbers could be off. Those are just off the top of my head. But what they, what he ended up getting, I thought he would have been a bargain to to get him here. Jason, I'll ask you this because you've been around this club. They all say he's the reason the culture changed here. He was the one that guided Nick Chubb through how you handle coming off an 0-16 season. They spoke of him like he was walking out Mm -hmm. of water.
0: I have immense respect for Jarvis in the way that he competed last year all the way to the end. Even Even though though he was hurt. Even though he was hurt all the way through the Cincinnati game. Uh, I... The, the Baker situation was damaging yep. and I didn't think there was any chance he was coming back and then after the the Deshaun move I did think that there was a window there where they could bring him back I thought maybe there was a possibility and it just felt to me like Jarvis was ready to move on and I think the team would have brought him back I think Jarvis
4: for what well, point maybe though w- didn't he say he would he would like to come back and play in Cleveland yeah but probably at the 16 million price tag yeah I I and I don't know that because we
0: were not allowed in the locker room last year, so I haven't had a conversation with Jarvis in a really long time right. about any of this. So I, I don't know, but I just got—I mean, I, the team was open to bringing him back at the right number. Obviously, yeah, they were open to him coming back. I just after wonder the how Baker things would be made. different this year. You really? Well, he's do. not the same player. He hasn't no, had but the same. I, year. I
4: looked. I mean, so he's had—he's only played nine games, so he's—he's he's missed a lot to injury, but his 25 catches and 272 yards. He has more production than Bell and Schwartz combined. Yeah, oh, there would have
0: been a place for him, but I'm just saying he's not the Jarvis
5: that, when, that you probably we, we,
0: expect. When we got, yeah, when yeah, got he, him. his best game was I think the first game. He had a great first game back in New Orleans, and then after that, it's just sort of been downhill ever since, yeah. all year long. Well, he was, he was... But he was special. He was vital special in the, to, in the locker room. To, to the locker yeah, 100% room sure. true. He was
1: one of the leaders, for sure. And the you know fans really liked him, too. He was like a very... Yeah. So, it'll be interesting. I mean, he's not like... I don't know who's even going to be at this game on Saturday, necessarily. Like, how many fans are going to be there, or if they... Well, will there'll be, there. be at least... Because Jason's taking his side right. and taking mine. So. Yeah. Or if they will be the real fans, or if these are people like this is a chance for people who just might want to check out a product, or I don't know. I, I mean, like, their ticket's going for four bucks right now, guys. I online. know they are. So, yeah. not great. So they can be had cheap. Yep. Aditi, um, welcome to the program.
4: When, when you look at what a player like Jarvis means to a team, um, do you think that it was a mistake for the Browns to not bring him back, even if it wasn't for his production, just for? His rub off factor, particularly after hearing Chubb and Njoku just sing his praises about what he meant to that locker room.
6: I don't, I, you know, I don't need to hear them say it. I lived it, I was there. I, when Hugh Jackson wasn't making guys work and Jarvis Landry was saying, no, working is the only way that you get anywhere. And Jason, I love you, but when you say that he's not the same player, who cares? You don't, the way that you construct a team is not the 53 most talented guys at each Absolutely. position yes, it's a I chemistry agree. experience and you sometimes need a little dash of this and a little pinch of that to really get the most out of any locker room and what we heard nick chubb say what we heard these guys talk about is how jarvis landry infused a level of professionalism And you know what? I get the opportunity to talk to Dennis Allen, to talk to Pete Carmichael, to talk to the Saints about that. And even though Jarvis has been hurt and hasn't been able to contribute as much on the field as perhaps they had hoped and hoped to get out of him in the future, they were unequivocal in talking about how he's the one that kind of leads the quarterbacks and the receivers. And he's the one that sets the tone, despite the fact that he is somewhat diminished because of the injury. And then gosh, you talk about reliability. I mean, this is a guy that put his body on the line every day, every play, every snap. That's something that you just can't you can't say that to someone. You have to show it to someone. You have to play next to somebody who does that. And yeah. I mean, personally, you can hear the the pain, the passion, the hurt in my voice because I felt that this was such a key, 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 key important piece of what the Browns were able to do over the last few years, and and let's be fair, both Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski acknowledged that. And even though there had to be sort of the separation, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry did not mince words in talking about how important Jarvis Landry was to their growth as an organization and to, as we keep saying, the setting of a culture of that organization. I'll tell you this. I always thought that I had a great relationship with Jarvis, even when things were very tough with Odell Beckham and whether he was the right fit for this particular offense. I've asked to talk to Jarvis this week. You know, if I call him myself, I know he's not going to pick up because he's just not like that. So I formally asked. I don't know if he's going to talk to me. I'm sure I'll talk to him on the field Saturday morning. I look forward to it. But I really, really, really hope I get the opportunity to talk to him during the week just to, you know, he's got some remove now. He's got a little bit of space to step back and to hear his teammates, his former teammates, say what they say. That has to mean something to him. I hope that means something to him.
0: Did he, do you think he wanted to move on? Do you think he was ready to move on? Because I know the organization was no. open to bringing him back. So where yeah, do no, you I, I
6: think that he would have come back. At, I, I think, I do think that he would have come back. I do. And I think that there was probably some excitement about the opportunity to play with Deshaun Watson as well. I do. You know, you never know, though, right? Because you hear often from both sides, oh, we tried to make it work and he didn't want to. Or we tried to make it work and they didn't want to. I don't know. But in my heart of hearts, I do think that there was some middle ground to be met. What did he
4: sign in the world? You know this. We've seen
6: this. Across the league a gazillion times. I mean, I remember, I remember a gazillion years ago when James Harrison ultimately signed for less with the Cincinnati Bengals than the Pittsburgh Steelers would have given him. But it was about ego, and it mm-hmm. was how dare you after this many years and how much I've meant to this club, you offer me X amount of money, and then he went for less money. So it's not even just about the money. Sometimes, sometimes it's about the respect factor, the way that you feel you're being spoken to, and. I mean, ego's always involved. When, you, hey. when you're when you as passionate as a player like Jarvis Landry is, as a player like James Harrison is, as a person like I am, then, of course, ego and the way that you feel you're being treated and how you're appreciated and how you're being valued, that, of course, comes into play. Well,
4: he signed for one year, six million. Who knows? Maybe he comes back. What, yeah, I Maybe. Wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that at all. And yeah. I, I think I if the Browns exactly had a mulligan whether. to do
6: this over. <laughs> a calling card. Mike, when you say that tickets are available for $4, all I have to say is, people better be in the stands. Because if I am there on the field, suffering through all of that, okay? And as much as we've talked about how I need to get in better shape, there's not a lot of fat on this body. And (laughs) I'm gonna be out there on the field, and I don't get to run around, you know? So somebody come out there and feel my. Jay break, and I will be in there.
0: Jay and I are taking our kids.
3: Well, I'm sitting in the club <laughs> seats though because we're going inside when it gets cold. Now, now, now Didi, you work rock- so
6: privileged. <laughs> my goodness, so privileged. you
3: you work on the sidelines, so obviously you have to go to the game. But what under what circumstances and what would the temperature have to be if you were going to a regular game? like as a family, as a civilian. Is there a temperature that you ain't going below? Like, if it's 26, uh, I'm not going to watch no game.
6: 26? It's supposed to be like minus nine wind chill with 50 mile per hour winds. 26 sounds positively balmy. I'd take that. <laughs> um, I'm the right, you know what, Gia? I'll be honest with you. I'm the wrong person to ask because it's hard for me. I admire you, Jason. I admire you, Jay. It, it's like a busman's holiday when you're used to being on the field and being in the thick of the action. Yeah. It's really hard to just sit in the stands yeah. and... I haven't been able to properly really do it. I, I've tried with my son a couple times in, at college games. It's easier for me to watch on TV with my son um, because then at least I'm like so far removed, I can't be jumping over people to get on the field. But I'm a little bit afraid that at some point, you know, I'll be in the stands and say, what? And all of a sudden be leapfrogging and working onto the field and I'll be one of those people you see security tackling.
4: How do you see this game playing out? I mean, it's, it, it, the Saints have a, a little bit clearer path to the playoffs. The Browns obviously are an extreme
6: long shot.
4: Um, what,
6: what do you think happens? I like the urgency with which the Browns are playing right now. I do, quite frankly. I think that um, you're right, despite that ugly, ugly, ugly record that the Saints have. You've got Andy Dalton, who's won the fourth most games of any quarterback in Cleveland, how crazy is that, oh. right? Wow, well, thanks Ratton. for that little That's
1: stat. Awesome. What a little <laughs>
4: pick-me-up. Thank you, Aditi. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that is such... That Andy is Dalton
6: a... is 12-5. Oh. and five. I just mean, you know, an opposing quarterback. So Andy Dalton is 12-5 in Cleveland. He knows those wins, and I actually talked to him about that. You know, the part of going to an away environment, and we know this all throughout the AFC North, is that these stadiums are tough. And they are all on water. All four AFC North stadiums are on water. There is weird wind involved in everything that's going on. It's not just about the cold. Andy's familiar with it. Andy knows where the pockets are that they swirl and where they come off the seats and where they don't. So I think that that's all good. And Andy Dalton, too, is having a great year, even though he's not getting as much help. Um, But I'm curious about Nick Chubb's health. That obviously always, you know, uh, something to pay attention to. I think that I really like the way the Browns defense has played the last month. I like the sense of urgency that they're playing with. I like that they seem to be playing a little bit freer, a little bit faster. That may be because as they've talked about, Joe Woods has kind of slimmed down the play menu and just said, you know what, we just need to do what we do really well, really, really, really well. And that's that. Um, I like that. And I also think that, you know, they know that they're not out of it. Meaning the Browns, they know that they're not out of it. The AFC North is really very much, and I said this this morning, just get in the dance. It's about who's going to get hot. We saw the Chiefs almost lose to the Texans, who, by the way, have one win. And are a team, I mean, just are lacking in... A full team of talent there are young talented players but that's not a full team by any means and yet the texans nearly and should have upended the chiefs we've seen the bills look vulnerable i don't think that anybody is just running away every single sunday with the afc so it's this feeling of okay just get in and now look the the ravens i mean how long is lamar jackson out for is there potentially some way to back into the playoffs and and we know this. Wildcard teams have won the Super Bowl. So I think if the Browns are feeling good about themselves, if they're bringing themselves some urgency, if they feel that this insane weather day is a boon to them going against a Dome team, which they absolutely better feel that way about it. If playing on Christmas Eve in front of Jason Lloyd and Jay Crawford's sons isn't <laughs> incentive and motivation, come on. Yeah. And I mean, if that isn't motivation, you're not alive children in the blizzard conditions <laughs> potentially being blown away then i mean come on <laughs> if i could suck it up suck it up buttercup right
1: there you go yeah I, it's gonna be it, it will be brutal i've been there for those though i know these games well like being these home games i've spent i had season tickets for a long time I, those were pa- those tickets were passed down to me like a burden by my father when he uh, a no, curse. yeah he yeah. no longer wanted to deal with that and then eventually
6: you <laughs> you do realize, right, that it's way worse on the field than it is in the stands. First oh, of all, in the stands, you have people buffering you. Yeah, 100%. When you've got walls of the section. On the field, it's just all.
5: Mm-hmm. you know it was funny
6: was like, I don't want any I don't want to look down the sideline and see anyone looking like a stay puff marshmallow man and I'm like <laughs> hello that's exactly what I will be looking like thank you very much can you, <laughs>
0: can you sit on the bench the players have been talking a week about how warm and cozy it is on the bench can you just slide up next to them and sit on their bench for a few minutes and defrost
6: <laughs> you know what's so funny is Jay Feely said that he used to just sit on the bench all the time I was like well you probably blend it in yeah I'm yeah. sitting on bench although I did tell Greg Newsom I might be doing that I said <laughs> if you see like, a random little person on the end of your bench it's probably me, how many, how, me how many layers
1: are we doing Aditi what do you, how do you layer up for something like this
6: I know so I think there are long johns there's an under armor turtleneck there's another under armor warm thing there's a coat I need. I can't get a heated vest I can't I tried to order a heated vest and I can't get one in time. I went to three different sporting goods stores here in town. Could not get one. So I think I'm going to (laughs) mega warmers and you know, like medical tape them to my body. (laughs) The things that I'm most concerned about are my fingers and my toes. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's where it all starts. Yeah. Do you know Sarah Sarah Walsh, Aditi? I do know Sarah Walsh. Okay, course, yes.
4: Sarah, Sarah's awesome. Um, reach out to Sarah and see if there's any way she can next. She covers the Buccaneers. She, uh, see if there's any way she can next day you a vest so you can have it by Saturday. Tell her. Tell you her that, do I,
6: know that you do know that Sarah Walsh bundles up when it's 55 degrees. Listen, right? like she's 55 cold. 55 degrees and freezing.
4: She's from Tampa, so whenever it's <laughs> anything over a uh, colder than 60 she shivers, physically shakes. <laughs> so ask ask Sarah for that awesome heated vest she has. She's not gonna need it. You are. And tell her that I, I said, do the right thing, Sarah. Do the right thing.
6: <laughs> we'll see, this is the trouble. There are things to order and just getting them here. I mean, the holiday makes it that difficult. I know, so I know. I ask the phenomenal, amazing Brad Mellon, who of course is the Browns' tremendous equipment manager if there's any way he can pull me out an extra heater so I'm not, like, fighting the punters and the kickers who are generally always hovering over (laughs) the Soft
1: punters.
6: (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. If anybody's got suggestions on what I could possibly butter Brad up with to uh, convince him that I would like one of those, I'd appreciate it. Now, because you're part of the broadcast,
4: I know that we can't ask you um, what's going to happen, who you think's going to win. I get that. Um, Just tell us what kind of a game we should expect, because I think in general, we're thinking it's the lowest under that any of us can ever remember seeing. I think it's at 31 and a half right now. I've never seen anything. I can't remember anything being below 34. Uh, So the experts in Vegas think that this is going to be maybe a 17 to 10. Is there any scenario that you can envision where it's they're just dead wrong and we end up getting a high scoring game?
6: Yeah, if, like, the weather changes completely. (laughs) I mean, I don't, you know, you know how crazy the wind is and how unpredictable it is. I mean, something as simple as kicking field goals becomes a crazy adventure. If it's nuts like that we were and again I said we were talking to Andy Dalton earlier about this and he was saying if it would snow it would be better than if there's any other sort of precipitation because at least that makes the ball a little tackier Mm. but it's not going to snow if it's minus nine degrees it'll be too cold for it to snow you know so it's I think there's a little bit of fear of throwing the ball when the wind is so unpredictable and this is the stadium where the wind is the most unpredictable in the entire National Football League I think that the, oh, gosh, why are you showing me this? <laughs> this <is> funny. Because <laughs> oh, my producer, my producer was telling me, he started telling me on Sunday, I think, last Sunday or last Saturday. He's like, so here's what I need you to do. Go stand outside for four hours every day. And build up, <laughs> do
3: it. You get your tolerance up. Yeah,
6: exactly. <laughs> Seriously. And I was like, I don't know better to just rip off the band-aid because there really is no preparation for any of that. But uh, I think that um, I do think it will be low scoring. I think that it benefit. I think both teams would like to play that way. Quite frankly, I think both teams would like to play grinded out football. I can tell you that the sideline reporter would certainly like a moving clock. <laughs> like a you want
4: no,
6: the game challenges. to be over by three <laughs> o'clock extensive replays. Let's just move that ball and move that clock for sure.
1: Aditi, based on where we're at in the season, we were talking a little bit about this earlier and just assuming Nick Chubb is, he was on the injury report this week, but assuming he's totally good to go. Do you think that he will, based on the game situation and the weather and everything, uh, and where our playoff chances are at, do you think he's going to get more touches in this game than he typically gets or fewer touches?
6: I never know, but I hope more. I mean, I like more. I like I like the idea of more. You know, I, it, it's funny. I um. I do a radio show here in Pittsburgh, and um, Mel Blount, who of course is in the Hall of Fame, who is a cornerback unlike any cornerback has ever been built, um, was talking about Franco Harris. This was the day before, unfortunately. I mean, tragically, Franco Harris passed away. And part of that is because Franco Harris's number is being retired this weekend. This is of course the 50th anniversary of the immaculate reception. I know Browns fans hate that moment just as much as Raiders fans do. But one of the things that I'm bringing up here, the reason I'm bringing this up is that Melbourne said that old school football used to all be about the running back. You went the way the running back went. It was the running back who had 30 or 35 touches and the quarterback, maybe threw the ball 10 times a game. And when we were talking, Yesterday with Tyron Matthew about Nick Chubb, he said, man, he's just an old school dude. Yeah, And he said he in is. the way that he runs, in the way that he behaves, I mean, the guy never trash talks on the field. Tyron even brought that up. And so the way that Mel Blount is talking about Franco Harris carried those teams, that those teams were about the running back, not the quarterback, not the receiver, not anybody else. It was about the running back. That really is who Nick Chubb is. And it feels like, this time of year, this day, these two teams, this weather, it calls for nothing but old school running back play. And who Here is that? Year. But oh. so, yeah. it, and we know Nick Chubb can handle it. If Kevin Stefanski wants to give him 30 to 35 touches, I'm sure he'll say, All right, hit me one more time. And again, like I said, the sideline reporter would
5: love that.
6: <laughs> Just don't run out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. Aditi.
4: You mentioned
0: the. Yeah, your best on
6: every single one of those runs, please, please,
0: please. When you're talking about the immaculate reception play, I, I put it in our group chat with these guys. I went back and like watched it obviously like everybody else did, but I really watched it and it cracked me up. Like, first of all, there the running backs are in three point stances in the backfield. It's the last play yeah. of the game. They Bradshaw held the ball for like five or six seconds. They only made it to the 30. <laughs> it's the last play of the game. I'm spinning <laughs> everywhere. He threw it to the 30 yard line. Like, how does this foot like the game that The best to play today, of all time. It's hysterical. Like, today, <laughs> right you got at the ball number 40 You're going to throw it to the end zone. They threw it to the – he was still 30 yards short, even if he catches the ball. And we
1: worship him. How does this happen?
4: Different.
3: Crazy.
6: Different game. Different game.
1: Well, different. I
4: wondered, though, did they have a timeout? Because when he scored, there was five seconds left. So and and obviously the the Kareem you know the, the, the Karam.
0: that's actually a
4: good point. So I mean, if, I they, keep, if they had I just a time, assume it's the last yeah, play I, of the game, but you're right. It there was wasn't. I think they did have a timeout. They were hoping to get close enough to do the hail mary, yeah. which would have been from the thirty or whatever. Aditi, um, we can't let you go. You bring up Franco Harris. I, I'm, I'm assuming you met him at some point. Um, I would love to hear you just talk a little bit about. The man that was Franco Harris, aside from the football player, I had a chance to meet him. He was just he was just overwhelmingly friendly. I'm wondering your experiences with Franco.
6: Same, 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 same. I, I've never, I said this earlier in the week, and I, I'm still struggling to think of any man, forget his legendary stature, just any man of any stature who was as approachable, as Mm -hmm. genial, as fun loving, as ready. I've never seen him say no to anyone for a photo or an autograph. We had him on our podcast, our Hall of Fame podcast this summer. We sat with him and Fred Voletnikoff for an hour. Oh, wow! And then later in the day for 20 minutes, we're sitting and we're talking and we were talking about my kids and we're talking about Pittsburgh and (laughs) transplanting and a little bit about Penn State. I mean, he was as a approachable as could be, as humble as could be, the most emotion in his voice is talking about his Italian mother and food and the Ave Maria and things like that more than it was about anything he ever did on a field. But on the field, he really, truly, and I'm saying this from having had so many conversations with men like Joe Green, men like Mel Blunt, He is the one that really made the Steelers believe that they could win. He is really the one that changed fortunes. And that play was his rookie year. He was a tremendous, 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 tremendous football player beyond just that play. And it was Fred Beletnikoff who still harbors, 50 years later, all this anger about that play and believes it's not a catch and insists it's not a catch. But he spoke most eloquently on our podcast that was honoring the 50, the Immaculate Reception about how Franco was so much more than just that one play, and sometimes that goes shattered. But he, here's the one piece, and I'll tell you that this actually comes from my husband. I said this on the radio yesterday, and then shortly afterwards I heard Mike Tomlin say the same thing. He so willingly and openly carried the responsibility of being the face of that Steelers team. Mm -hmm. That was an organization, and and I do need to go because Deshaun Watson's about to talk to us, but really quickly, Art Rooney, the chief, the owner of the Steelers, missed that entire play because he was in the elevator. He was sure that his Steelers were once again going to lose, once again going to go down. He got himself into Mm -hmm. an elevator, missed the entire Immaculate Reception. That elevator panel, by the way, sits in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because it's such a crazy story that he missed the play. It was expected that the Steelers would lose, it was expected that the Steelers were a hapless bunch. Franco comes in and yes, there were an absurd number of Hall of Famers on that team. There was Joe Green, there was Lynn Swan, there was Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, all of these guys. Terry Bradshaw. Chuck Noel, yes, all of these guys, Terry Bradshaw. But it was Franco that everybody says changed things. And it's Franco who for the ensuing fifty years was available whenever, wherever the Steelers needed him to carry the banner of that club, of that organization. He willingly did it. He never seemed put out by any of it. And just on a personal, humble level. I mean, he had time for everybody. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Mel Blunt said it this week. He said he's never met a more decent human than Franco Harris. And Mel Blunt has run two youth homes for kids that need help. And he's saying that Franco is the best guy he ever met. Yeah. It really, it's just, it just, it's, it's, it, it, it saddens me. It's tragic. It is tragic. That finally he was getting his due, that he was going to become only the third number ever retired in the city of Pittsburgh, that there are these massive celebrations planned for him. And this is what happened just a few days shy of that.
4: It, tragic is the right word yeah. for sure. Um, that play launched the Steelers dynasty. It was voted number the number one play in the history of the NFL, and um, his his absence is is going to be felt certainly by by Pittsburgh and the entire NFL community. Aditi, go tell Deshaun what's up. Yeah. Uh, G. Bush G, G. Bush loves the Kool Aid. You know he's drinking it. He believes in him. And um, stay warm. Um, we'll see you Saturday at the stadium.
6: All right, awesome. Make sure you say hi, guys. Bring me All hand right. warmers, please. Bye, bye, bye.
4: I'll be the one setting the fire in the stadium. <laughs>
3: y'all, y'all, y'all. There might be multiple But In wipes.
4: the '80s, they did that.
0: They really <laughs> just had
3: little yeah.
6: fire. Rip
4: up fire. that seat and well, start it on fire. You guys are
3: <laughs> crazy for going to this game. Yeah, y'all yeah. nuts.
1: I am rethinking it. My son is a diehard. I do I want, want to mention this. To I was mistaken earlier. I and I probably some of you probably got upset with me for trivializing people who are going to this game. And I said the tickets were four dollars on StubHub and. That is not true, Anthony. Show them; they're actually um, they are two dollars now. They are two dollars. You can I can't go believe to 5:33. Why would you even do that? I mean, wouldn't you just swallow I think the, the ticket principle before... of the thing, probably. Yeah. I, I mean, guess. It's just are you going like, to get a Venmo payment for two dollars and be like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's off so, my chest. <laughs> now I can
2: buy a beer." <laughs> I know that's a nice coffee at Dunkin' or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Wow.
1: Yeah, two dollars, everybody. Yeah, just the time it takes to list that on there and everything it seems like right. that's worth four five
4: dollars well, well it's like I, cashing a check for 47 cents well, huh. well
3: i will i will say it gives uh you know it gives uh, a lot of different people who may not have that uh, you know the economic the means, means. Sure. Sure, to go now, now it's not to go and possibly it, die in the snow it could be a christmas gift it could be a uh you know christmas for someone you're day. mad at but yeah <laughs> on your tombstone
4: it will say he was a loyal fan to the end literally
3: uh-huh
2: uh, what was that anthony I was just gonna say I don't have any fun transitions like McNuggets. That's fine. So I want to remind everybody that Bet Jack has arrived to Cleveland, Ohio. Sports fans, sports betting is coming going live on January fourth. Mm-hmm. It's happening first. Download the Bet Jack app today so you'll be ready to go in all the action. BetJack, Ohio sportsbook. You're nope.
1: crushing it, Anthony. McNuggets makes it look so easy,
2: doesn't he? He really does. It's, <laughs> the, it's the feedback it in. in my
1: headphones hey, drives An- me crazy. Anthony, yeah. does Tri-C offer broadcasting classes?
2: I don't know, but BW did. And I, didn't <laughs> all <right. see> <laughs> I was a film major watching movies, <laughs> writing papers. I don't know how I ended hey, up here. Hey, it's led you to this. Hey. You're nailing it, man. Well,
3: well, here's the thing, man. Tell them you don't need it. You know why, Anthony? Because technically, you have 20,000, almost 20,000 followers and subscribers on YouTube. It's That's true. Eight, it's like 18, right? 18-some
2: 18 thousand? Something like that. We're getting close to 19.
3: Help Help us continue get to get that 19. We need to do that 19 by de- December. That's Bernie's and, That's the Bernie yes. number. That's what you can give oh. us for a Christmas oh. present, or you can sign up for our tiers. Mm. Someone had a question to me on an email yesterday, and I need to ask
4: you. I'm assuming I answered the question, and now I hope it was right. Someone said, I'm considering the coaches tier, but I'm not available from 1 to 115. Can I watch those on demand later? And I said, certainly, yes.
2: Yeah. That is the answer. You absolutely can. Uh, I will have to check which tab it's under, but you should be able to go back and watch it. It's all on demand. We
1: will have Anthony physically burn out a DVD of it. And bring it to your Walk house. Walk it to your home. Wherever wow. you are. Every wow. afternoon. Wow. Just so you know. Blu-ray wow. if you prefer. We Burn. love our subscribers. We love all of our viewers. <laughs> you know, no, no jackets,
4: jacket. Anthony. All right. Yeah. Hey, I see you rocking the three studios.
3: Yeah, man. Yeah, That's nice. Man. You know what I'm saying? I We're got this. the upstairs. Sharp look. I got my man. He dropped it off. He put it in the car. Nice. You know what I'm nice. saying? Like, it's, 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 Make this, it look good. Yeah, this. Um, this in a license plate, make sure I'm not getting pulled over. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Jay Crawford gave this to me <laughs> himself. Just, They're like, no, Jay Crawford? No, say, say Betsy Clark. <laughs> yeah. Jay J M. Betsy. Or Mike Bulk. G- they co-signed mm-hmm. it. They co-signed all of them, ready to go. Depends on the cop. Um, yeah. man, it really does. <laughs> we have to talk about
4: the Stefanski-Watson relationship because you have made the point on the show that, look, according to Deshaun, we take him at his word, He's here because of Kevin Stefanski, even though before the offer got to be the richest in the history of the game, he, he was a hard, quick, fast, no, Yeah. but tell us what Stefanski's role in, how in, in him being here is how that happened. And some of the things that were said yesterday by Deshaun about this relationship. So
0: I've mentioned this multiple times, but let's walk through it quickly and then I'll get to the other part that we haven't talked about as much. And. When when the news came down that Deshaun was coming to Cleveland, I spent about an hour, hour and a half on the phone with, we'll say, people in his camp, like people on his side right. who know him, who have been with him for years. And the thing that they kept saying over and over again was that, yes, like he want, he, he liked what Kevin had to say. Um, he liked what Kevin showed him. When the Browns went into this meeting, it was at Rusty Harden's office. They had no idea what the setup was going to be. And originally it was going to be in this massive office like you know with the big long conference table and because some teams brought like 10 and 12 people in for their pitch i think the saints actually were one of them that brought like 10 or 12 people the browns showed up with uh kevin jimmy d and um andrew and that was it wow so it was really small and intimate so they move into like rusty's office and kevin brings an ipad with all these plays loaded up sits down with deshaun and they just go over listen this is i love how you did this in houston shoot to a clip of this is how we do it this is what we've done this is how i see us using you in this system deshaun loved it ate it up they talked for like 45 minutes just the two of them in this ipad no one else in the room could even see what they were doing just two guys chopping it up talking x's and o's talking football deshaun even said at one point hey where do you think i can get better and kevin said i don't like your your play actions i think you're sloppy i think you'd be better with the ball and hiding it better and blah, blah 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 and deshaun cracked up and said you sound just like my high school coach he used to get on me all the time for that wow so they did hit it off
1: like that's true and that means he really saw something in his game that that deshaun recognized was an actual issue and it brought up to him before yeah so it was accurate he's yeah. making calls yeah. that, like and yeah. kevin was coaching i like that him. deshaun like, asked that question
4: yes that to me is a characteristic of a player that wants to get, better, wants and, to get and better and knows he needs the coach that can get him there yes so like that is real
0: and that's what the point i've been making all year is you guys, I'm not saying anyone here, although it has been here, but just in general in Cleveland, the feeling of fire, Kevin, fire, Kevin, fire, Kevin. I'm like, you guys, listen, you have to hold on to this. It's ugly and it's been messy at times, but you have to hold on and see what this looks like. Part of the reason Deshaun wanted to come here was Kevin. Now let's get to the contract. Yes, $230 million guaranteed had a lot to do with it. Here's my understanding of how it went down. Deshaun calls the Browns and says, you're out. I love, like, I I think the Browns were the big dark horse in this to begin with. The Browns were the team everyone looked at like, really? It was like when LeBron took a meeting with the Clippers in 2010. Like, seriously? (laughs) The Clippers? Okay, fine.
4: Yeah. Well, also, Deshaun said he wasn't nuts about playing someplace that was cold. That's exactly right. And that's why everybody's like, well, Cleveland's out. Yeah. Buffalo's out. So the Browns, like, it was a hell of a pitch because they had
0: a lot to overcome and they overcame all of it. But Deshaun calls him, his agent tells him, you got to start eliminating teams. Like, we got to start working through this process. And he says, okay, Cleveland's out. It's cold. I, the only time I was there, <laughs> weather was not good. I've never been there. I don't know anything about it. Cleveland's out. I want to stay in the South. My understanding after that, Andrew Berry stayed in touch with his agent and they talked about other players. I don't remember the exact days. I think it was like a, a Thursday into a Friday, but I may be, that may be wrong. It was so, the next day. It was the next. So Deshaun calls him and says, you're out. I'm sorry. I had a great time, but I'm not coming here. Andrew stays in touch with his agent throughout that day. They talked about different players. Uh, Deshaun's agent is one of the biggest power agents in the NFL. He's got a ton of other clients. So they were talking to other clients. They had another conversation that evening. And then my understanding is the next morning word throughout the building in Berea was, Hey, we may not be out of this yet. We may still be in this. We may have a chance. Was that because they ratcheted up the, the money offer? It's my understanding. The money came later. That really? they had the conversation in the morning that and Andrew sort of sent word throughout the building. We may not be out of this yet. We still we still may have a shot at this. And then they just came around and then
4: the money component of it came later. And I wonder if there was a discussion where they said, you know, we might be able to knock your socks off with an offer. Maybe be. the number 230 wasn't thrown out. Right. But if you're a good agent and you've got somebody that you've already eliminated on the line telling you, we think we can beat everybody else's financial offer.
0: Your ears are still going to be open. Of course. And and that made, I I don't have the exact particular details of how it all played out from the time. No to the time. Yes. But it's my understanding. The contract numbers didn't come until much later in the process. And I, I I was told they had, had another team call and say, why don't you give us an opportunity to match? We would have matched that contract. Wow. Now, did that happen? Every team you could call is going to deny, obviously, that they would be that sure. team. So,
4: you know what team it is, don't
0: you? No, I tried uh, finding damn. out, and, and no one ever told me. Now, are they just saying
4: that to make Who it Who are the good? other really, really, really big suitors? New Orleans? Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina. Okay.
0: Were the three and then, and then the four. And really, when... Atlanta, to me, seems
4: to, to me like they...
0: Atlanta they, went hard with the hometown pitch.
4: Yes. Come I home, would think that Atlanta would, I'm guessing here but putting some things together that I know I would think that Atlanta would have been the one that would said we could have got that number.
3: Yeah. And,
0: and they, they went with the big hometown heartstring poll of, we know you, we know who you are, come home, come home and play in front of your family. Um, just, uh, new Orleans was in it as well, Carolina. And I'm, I'm trying to, I'm doing this in real time. I'm trying to remember the Carolina thing broke down because they wouldn't go to a certain number or guarantee a certain number. And that's what allowed Cleveland to get back in. Right. So the idea that the Browns just kept adding zeros to the check until he said, yes, I don't think that's accurate. Obviously the contract played a part in this. Yes, but it's my understanding that the numbers
3: on the deal came much later. I have a a unique, I I got a unique take on it. I, I think you're right. I think the main reason Deshaun Watson came here was Kevin Stefanski but it was for a specifically different reason. So you look at it, of course the money. I I think any other other organization would have gave him that same amount of dollars or close to it. But I think what really got him... See, I don't. I I think he would have got relatively... I don't think 31 other teams would have said you're worth being the highest paid player in the game ever. I think think there's two. I think think the Falcons would have did it. I think there may have been a couple. I don't think every other team... But yeah, that—that's—I guess the splicing <laughs> word. But he would have had an offer from somebody else, <clears throat>, comparable in to that, that ballpark. That. Now I go to this analogy. <clears throat> We'd all been negotiating you know, jobs and where you go and move. And when you go move and when you're looking at it, a job offer, you gotta look at, you got kids, you got schools, right? How, how good is your schools? Um, you know, what what is the neighborhood like? It, what is the commute? What are the traffic? What are we doing? Uh, how far is it away from my house? How long do I have to be in my car? And then you get to the organizational part. You say, okay, I'm gonna meet my, um, the owner, but it's not even the owner. The thing you want to know about is your direct boss. Your contact person. Who who, who do I report to? And Kevin Stefanski is who he reports to. I think the, the selling point was, look, I could come here and Kevin says, you know what? I didn't give Baker this 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 little book right here. I don't even like to go be reset, do this. When you get here, this going to be a partnership. He got an opportunity to really dig back in and say, I get to come to the cable on game day and I can pick all the plays I want. Mm-hmm. I get autonomy. But the, I, I, when you sell a partnership, not you reporting to me. And the reason I say this is you go back a couple of days and somebody asked Amari Cooper, um, what was Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski? Is he coming along? They, and he said, I don't think about it like in those terms. I think about it as if, you know, they're helping each other. They're collaborating and when he said that I was like, oh, yeah, they they sold him on. Yeah, you can get this money. But the one thing he did not have was say so in control of Houston. Over anything, they even asked him. He thought he was going to have a, a overflow or at least an his opinion. Best
0: out from under him. Right.
3: right, and didn't
4: didn't he tell them who he
0: wanted specifically the, the
4: as the GM? He and thought they, he was going to be part of the
3: process.
6: Right, he wasn't, and he wasn't. And, and, he wasn't. and, and they, they traded
0: DeAndre Hopkins out from under him. Right, it's it's crazy. His best receiver
3: out from under him. So when he went in, and Kevin Stefanski said, "Look, I ain't looking to be your boss. I'm looking to get you better." And I'm looking for to partner with you, as all great quarterback, all great quarterbacks get to partner. Hey, as great as Andy Reid is, Patrick Mahomes is part of that play. He ain't mm-hmm. running no plays, Patrick Mahomes. Don't Jay, I want to run. That sounds perfectly pl- plausible absolutely. to me. And, the, and like uh, we've said on the show
0: a million times, like Kevin's thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. He's an egomaniac. Da 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 da. I don't know Kevin overly well, but I know him well enough to know that is totally false. And Aditi said that Aditi knows him better than I do. And Aditi's come on and said, he's the most egoless guy in the building. And he is like, if you're the quarterback and you don't like to play, it's out. Like, okay, gone. What do you want? Like, like let's go. Let's I come up with something else. It, I think people he make people make that ego.
1: mistake, I think, because of what he chooses to present to people. Well, because he's Ivy League. But, it, and so
0: with, there automatically comes assumptions with it that he's this stuffy Ivy well, League I'll tell guy. You and why
3: and I, he doesn't talk too much. Right. So when, you, when right. you don't say your opinion, you make it up for him, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you have to guess. Yeah. And, yep. and
4: the thing that I, the, this is what I base that opinion on. I think that even across the league, not just here and not just the Browns fans, but I have had people ask me, that cover the league and watch the Browns on a regular basis. What's his aversion to using Chubb and Hunt together? I, mm-hmm. we don't get it, and that's that is what I keep going back to. When they've been on the field together, it there've been big plays, they've yeah. had success. I that's what I always scratch I, my I head agree on. With, I, I agree don't with understand. That. I think that there
0: are opportunities, and to me, to it almost
4: seems more. like he's being stubborn. Because everybody in the world is saying, yeah, let's do that, but we don't see it. And I don't know why. I don't know. And it has worked. We saw it early on. and It's, it's worked. It, it, and I don't have a great answer for Defenses why they don't do it more often. To, you, know, you talk about a team having Taysen a taste Hill. Hill out there, yeah. so you have to spend 10 more minutes presenting what what we might do if he's on the field. Well, imagine defensive coordinators, sleepless nights, trying to figure out how you have these two dynamic backs on the playing field yeah. at the same time. And
0: I'll give Freddie credit for that because Freddie did use them together. He for did. As much as he got wrong. He got I know, but he got wrong. that right. Are we, he did get that are right.
1: Are we uh, like overvaluing it in a way because we are, we've are? we just been saying this so long? I would like to see the actual numbers as far as how often they've been on the field together this year. I wish year. someone would and, do that homework. Yes, and how successful it's been, yes. like what, what's happened in every play because we might be being unfair. Maybe they're just quietly on the field and they're not no, I'm not,
4: looking for it, Mike. Time. I've been looking for it all season. Yeah. I would say it's happened. And a handful of plays. Yeah, I, I would like to see. And those I can numbers, remember though. one of them going for a touchdown, and another one going for a big first it, down on I third could, down. I could have g- our guys pull that. That'd be I'm great. Sure you can. can that'd be it. great. It just because I would be a, love to see the numbers behind that it. That
1: would either be uh, like that would either shut us up a little bit, or it would be a really good weapon that we could use constantly to bring I, up. Because if if you have numbers and proof, right. yeah, of this, they they were on the field together
4: seven times, and the average play went for eleven yards. Right. right? Then, then that's okay. All,
1: yeah.
4: I'd like to shove that
0: in their face. I do. But, I mean, the more that you use stuff, the, the less those numbers are going to come down. You know? Right. Of course. And I, I do think that – maybe I'll be proven wrong on this next year. I don't think – I think everyone looks at Kareem as the Kareem of Kansas City. I don't think he's that guy anymore. If he was, I think he would
4: be on the field But more. isn't that – and I know that that position has a short shelf life. He's a young guy. He has – he obviously
0: doesn't have a lot of mileage because – He was off for off the, the time year. time in Kansas City. He hasn't been used as much here. I just think there's a reason why maybe I'm wrong. Maybe next year he rushes for 1,600 yards. If he goes else. back
4: to Kansas City and becomes Kansas City cream again,
3: it's not going to be, be a good look I, on I, Kevin you're Stefanski. You're absolutely
0: right. Totally I just, right.
3: He, some people don't like, some people just don't like the f- fact that I, I don't think this offense is what Kevin Stefanski ultimately wants to be. Like, there's one or two ways you can do it. You can say, okay, we can start to wean ourselves off this running game with multiple running backs and tight ends. Or we could just rip the Band-Aid off, have growing pains, and say we're going to go with Deshaun three Watson and three wide receivers. Right. We'll have three receivers. So why would I be successful with running that? Because I know I can run that. Sure, But that's not a big part of what we want to do moving forward. So why, why run it? What just- is his imprint? On what what
4: What is his DNA as an offensive coordinator?
0: Well, we don't have a lot of proof because we only called plays for one year in Minnesota. Right, uh-huh. And this is by far the, be- the most talented quarterback he's ever had to work with like Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, right. and now Deshaun. And I Kirk Cousins though, wasn't, you know, I know he's kind of, he's, a, he's, he's above average, he's but above he's, average quarterback. he's not top 10 of the league. He's not top 15 of the league. Yeah, I don't maybe yeah. 10 to top 15, 15? maybe in that range, yeah, I would 10, put to him 10 to 15, he's 15. having a good year this year. They're having a fine year, but he's not elite. And I, it's funny because I covered Jim Tressel when Tressel came from one AA and Troy Smith was the quarterback and like Jim won a championship with Craig Krenzel and with Maurice. And then all of a sudden, and Maurice was an unbelievably talented back. I'm not dismissing him at all. But then you have Troy Smith and Ted Ginn. And you have these weapons here that Jim has never coached in his life. It completely changed his playbook. He did. Mm -hmm. And it took him a little bit of time, I think, to understand the talent level of these guys and that we can do things with these dudes that I never had in Youngstown State that I didn't have when I first got here. And I think Kevin's gone through that a little bit of, this is a quarterback that's got a skill set I've never had before. And I think you're seeing that play out in real time over these six games. And I think next year the playbook is going to look completely different than what you've seen. I later. hope
4: so. I've seen enough of three tight ends on the field at the same time. I, I,
0: and part of that was by necessity. Yeah. And now it's not.
1: Okay. Very good. Did Chubb like get, or not Chubb, did Hunt, do you think that he's, uh, you said that he has, doesn't have a lot of miles on him, and I agree with that, but those are really hard miles. You watch that guy run. And he just—he seeks contact. He runs he see- to contact and for I, I, sure. I gotta figure that's like double the mileage. As soon as you run like that, as opposed to it's almost like yeah, it, it, yeah, it looks like he's willfully throwing his body into things uh, rather than you know a lot of people they're they're more elusive running backs probably I would assume would have a higher shelf uh, longer shelf life.
4: Yeah, it is about the number of hits. Every guy is different. The, the shelf life at that position is what three and a half years. Yeah, I think yeah. the average running back's just like in the an lead.
1: average run of his. Though I'm just like, well, both his knees are broken after that, right? Because <laughs> he just just tries to jump over somebody and breaks in half, yeah, and then somebody helps him up. And I'm like, I somehow still alive. Yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. that's him running every. I, time. My favorite collision is him on a safety. Oh like, yeah,
4: I mean, he just like you yeah. know, it's like the Oklahoma he likes drill. To hit people. He enjoys it. it. He's really, told
0: me like he loves hitting
4: people. Like that's
0: yeah, uh, that's you don't hear that from running back very often. No, you don't.
4: Different kind of mindset. All right, we have 10 minutes left of the program, so we could do final takes, um, or do we have time for that?
2: Yeah, we got time for final takes, but I do want to remind everybody, we have a show tomorrow. It's going to be a remote show, it'll, so it'll be on restream. We won't be in the studio. We're hiding from the cold, too. We have the Browns post-game show coming up Saturday, if I get this graphic up here, and we also have a remote show Monday. So we will be live Monday from our houses after the holiday. You can watch us all there. Buy your memberships, subscribe, and we will take it away with final takes. Jay. Will you
1: guys all be in holiday pajamas? It, uh, it, yeah, I will. The, only, yeah, the, the nice only, only, sure.
3: only people that be on there is me and Adam the Bull, so we'll be on there. Okay. We ain't got no lives, so, you know, we just jump <laughs> on there. Nice. Uh, yeah, we just ain't got nothing to do. All right, who wants to
4: start? Chase, you want to start? Uh,
0: I'll keep it simple. I had a long one that I – well, you know what? Let's do it. I'll do it anyway. Go look the story up. It's fairly terrifying. Uh, I don't have the name in front of me. I could find it, but I don't want to waste the time. There was a woman who is an attorney whose company is in litigation with Madison square garden and she was taking her daughter to uh, a play to see the Rockettes at radio city music hall, which is owned by Madison square garden company group. She was not allowed entrance into the building because facial recognition picked her up as an attorney who was in litigation against the Madison Square Garden Entertainment wow. Company. This is terrifying. What a fun new world. This is terrifying <laughs> where Ooh. this is going. And I think facial recognition has great and technology in general has wonderful attributes to it. But this is the dark, scary side. And Jim Dolan is not a nice person to begin with. And we all True. knew that already. And I'm not even gonna go there. But just I, I just wanted to shed light on this and illustrate how, how terrifying that some of the stuff can be. This woman was not allowed into the to see the Rockettes because, and she's not even in active litigation against it. It's just her company. She has nothing to do with the suit and they did not allow her entry with her daughter. Her daughter had to go with her friends and the other mothers of this girl scout troop in to watch the show. She was flagged as soon as she went through the metal detectors, they called her out. They pulled her aside and told her she was not allowed in because of the active litigation. It's a scary, scary world where we are headed. And when I hear things like that, man, Happy holidays.
1: Mhm. It's no, terrifying. That Actually, terrifying. I was thinking about this. I do think that we are going to we're going to die like our generation at just the right time. Anthony, sorry man, <laughs> but like we are the last generation that won't live in a horrific technological hellscape yeah. where we are being monitored and there's everything, seeing us everywhere. I, I don't think that's too paranoid to say because this stuff's happening right now. Right now. And I'm not, this is, I'm not, we're not turning into an Alex Jones thing, guys. We're not going to start selling you survival kits or anything <laughs> like that, unless it's profitable, in which case we
2: will. <laughs> no, <laughs> we won't. Important, important. I'll be living in the cyberpunk world by the time I'm 35. I've, I've, yeah, I've,
1: you'll I've, be in the meta um somewhere in another her name is
0: kelly Conlin. uh executive director producer steve was on it and texted her her name was kelly
1: conlin go look up the story it's terrifying sounds fun good holiday read Merry everybody <clears throat> um so mine's uh pretty brief but pretty important i feel uh i'm calling out one organization and one organization only taking you to task because you deserve it i'm talking to you trans-siberian orchestra if you're not familiar with them They are the rock Christmas act that travels around the country every year with that Jesus is born. I don't know why they're so furious that God was born, that they need to rock that hard, but they feel the need to, and that's fine. Not really my cup of tea. Not my style of Christmas music. I'm a little bit more Bing Crosby, but... Do your thing, it makes people very happy, and I'm okay with it, here's my gripe.
5: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Why are you always coming to Cleveland after Christmas? Thank you!
0: I was going to add that if that wasn't your point. Why
1: are you guys always coming here like on the 27th or the 30th? Why don't we rank high enough to get a pre-Christmas visit, Trans-Siberian Orchestra? All of our gifts have already been given by the time you're here. We're through with Christmas. Sick of it. You know what we don't want to hear anymore? Christmas carols. Especially furious ones like the ones you deliver, you weirdos. Here you are on, I got it right here. Let me see. Okay, the 22nd, wait, 21st, where are you at? You're in Chicago. Ooh, la-dee-da. Two shows. 23rd, all of a sudden, where you go? You go to Columbus! See. Wow. Two shows in Columbus, rather than coming to see us, then they take two days off for Christmas. Trans-Siberian Orchestra, the Christmas band, takes two days off for Christmas. How about you take those in July? Take a breather. Yeah, they're not busy in July. What are you doing then? Take the whole month. Nobody cares. Take, you take off Christmas Eve and Christmas when you could come to Cleveland and put on a rock concert that I wouldn't come to, but some weirdos around here might like to. <laughs> and then all of a sudden on the 26th, when y'all you're, you're all groggy, you wake up and you go to where you go, Kansas City, then you go to Newark. Newark before us. Well we're in with Newark Then Dallas. Wow. You don't even then you go to Detroit and then it's not until we're in Houston the 30th. Look, you come oh. here on New Year's Eve. No, that, it's thirty first. The thirty first is New Year's Eve. He's right. The thirtieth, the day, New Year's Eve Eve, uh, and you. Tr- that's what we warrant from you, Tri- Trans Siberian Orchestra. I'm done with you, and I never started. Get here, early December to December twenty third next year, or play a Christmas show, or you've lost me as a potential fan forever. We deserve better. <laughs>
3: Man, oh, man. It's that been was... for
0: years. 20
3: years they've been coming I down. Mean, I, I never Rude. got that. Never got Mix that. Mix it up. Yes. Mix it up. I'll tell you what, man. I never understood this either. Like, you know, right now, I'm, I'm addicted to watching abandoned malls, right? Mm-hmm. And by per capita, Ohio has the most We're abandoned malls doing all right. in the world. Yep. Number one, guys, <laughs> when you to be wanting something? Uh, yep. When they're going through and they're, they're, the only thing, you know, is open is the food court. These places are on lifelines. My question is, you always see these signs in these, these windows of the shops and you're like, for lease. And it's like, if you own that building, you do know no one's coming there. Right. Why are you even advertising? Why would you keep that sign in the window? Mm-hmm. And it goes to a bigger thing. Uh, as Christmas and holiday seasons roll around, I really feel like we are more and more isolated. Um, before, you used to go to the malls, and that was the place to be. You used to get dressed up to go to the mall to go get other things. Mm-hmm. It was a place where you saw other people. You run into other families. You hey, I ran into so-and-so at the store. Mm. But now, Amazon and, and, and the Internet has made it to a place you don't even have to interact with nobody if you don't want to. Right. You like you don't like you don't have to see nobody. Yes yeah, you, cr- you don't they can bring your food, the grocery shop for you and give it to you. Uh you can get a doctor's visit online. Mm-hmm. Now every everything is is individualized to a point where social interaction does not count for anything. And I think that accounts for why people are socially awkward. Like people do stuff now that you would never do ever. Like, when they're in public places, because guess what? They don't have any practice at it. Mm-hmm. So uh, go out, do something, man. Hey, if you got a gift to get last second, go to a store and get it. Don't go, don't get the Amazon gift card. That's lazy, bro. It's too, but if you want to give me a gift card, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: the irony is all the abandoned malls soon will be... Amazon Fulfillment Centers. That's, That's crazy. Part, yep. The ones
3: that aren't laser tag courses yeah. already. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Or inside
4: right. a climate control uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> storage. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, my final take will be fairly brief because it has to be. Uh, Anthony showed this picture. I don't know what... LeBron James needs a social media director. He Instagrammed this picture yesterday before they lost to the Kings. And if you look at up into the stands there uh-huh. where it says King... <laughs> That's the King's, you know, that, that's the yeah. Sacramento King's sign. He scrubbed the S wow. in King's so it would be King. Obviously framed so that could be in the picture as if he's saying, look it out, I'm out here, I'm the only one in the gym putting in this work. <laughs> and he went, he was Just so to petty to, to put the King's into a king. And I saw a lot of funny replies. The funniest one was a Lakers logo with the A K E R S scrubbed out. (laughs) Just the L. Mm -hmm. LeBron, you took the L, my man. Uh, I thought I thought you reached a low on social when you posted when the World Cup finals had twenty minutes left in regulation. He he posted Man, I'm excited for this World Cup final. I didn't know that. <laughs> the game was almost over. Uh, somebody. Right, right now, He's hire somebody. really trying.
3: He's trying too
4: hard. That's the problem.
3: I, I, That's you, the problem. You know what, man? This is what happens when you know you ain't competing for no titles. Yep. And this man, is you just start it's doing the stuff. Wins. You he's just a little do a little, you on IG all the way. Like, what you on IG all the time for, LeBron? Like, come on, <laughs> All buddy. right, bottle, water bottle's up, guys. We got all a minute right, to go no, on the show. We,
4: Steve was worried that we were going to take you. out the camera, so he's moved the basket. So it's closer to me now, so I'm not going to complain. Mm-hmm. Hold on, this is a difficult shot. It's a different angle, Be, and you
3: can't bank it in. Because it's like playing in the carrier dome. No, It's, it's some depth perception here. We got 30 seconds. Go. Short. Jay. Ah, oh.
4: Long. G Bush. Oh! oh, good. I get to win something. Oh, oh. <laughs> that was, uh, oh. You're all real two. sad. I'm a, I'm one for 49. Uh, en- enjoy your Christmas holiday. If you're not going to spend it, <laughs> if you're not going to spend tomorrow with us. We are doing a show. We will see you all tomorrow. Our overtime f- uh, segment today. We're, di- we're talking about a fan who was robbing banks. So he could go watch his team play. See you Happy tomorrow.
3: holidays, everyone.
0: Thank you.